tad more brightness. Action smoke. Action helicopter. Oh, guys, guys, we don't need all this. This is just a conversation. Cut, cut, cut. Oh, welcome to another edition of Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed. No matter where you're listening from, we invite you to just get comfy and enjoy the next few minutes as we bring you new perspectives and maybe even some fun and laughter. No drama here, though. Just good conversation. Now, here she is, the woman who Alexa and Siri wish they could sound like. It's the lovely and gracious Donna Reed. 2024. Just saying that out loud, I, I, where's the time gone? Thank you so much for listening, downloading, subscribing, sending text messages, sending emails, saying you love it. It means so much to myself, to Mark and to Joe, because they're a part of the show too. Find out more about what I'm doing at my website, DonnaReedVO.com or at SpotlightConversations.com. I'm also on Instagram at DonnaReedVO and at Spotlight Conversations. I love doing this podcast because I get to talk to people in media, radio, TV, film, music, love music. The next one I love probably the best is radio because that's how I started. In high school, I had no idea I wanted to go into radio, but there was a local radio personality by the name of the Rock and Roll Madam. And she was everywhere, and she was fun and entertaining, and it was, if you grew up in South Florida and Miami, you knew the rock and roll madam. Fast forward many, many years, I go into the voiceover business. I'm on a roster of voiceover talent at a talent agency, and there's a lot of women on the, on the site with me, and they're all really good. And I remember one name, Joe Mater, and then I found out that she worked in radio and she went as the rock and roll madam. And I went, oh my God, I, lis- I used to listen to her in high school. I know who she is. So I reached out to her a couple of weeks ago and asked her if she'd like to be a guest on the podcast, Spotlight Conversations, and she said yes. So it gives me great pleasure as the rock and roll homemaker to interview this amazing radio talent, the rock and roll madam, Joe Mater. Wait, I have to ask you a question first. Sure. Donna Reed, is that your name? Did a program director give it to you? Did you make it up? It's the rock and roll homemaker talking to the rock and roll madam. It's a (laughs) shtick that we've got going on here, and I think we should just let it roll like that. Okay. (laughs) But thanks for asking. Because I love Donna Reed. A lot of people probably don't even know who she was. They don't now. They don't. Um, how did Rock and Roll Madam start? Up and Adam with the Madam heard you every morning. How did that start? Up and Adam with the Madam was actually on I-95. I-95, I okay. Sorry about that. And then I came back. But I, uh, I really started uh, Miami-Dade Community College when this guy, the student running the station said, chicks can't do top 40 radio. Wow. And I hadn't really thought about doing it. And a big part of me agreed with him. And the other students agreed with him, too. But they said, you paid for your education and it's your right to be on the radio. Now, bear in mind, this wasn't a real radio station. then; It was just a PA system broadcasting to the vending machines. Still. But he took it very seriously. <laughs> they all do, no matter if it's a school system or it's at a junior college. I hear you. Yeah. So the, um, the the professor in charge said, yes, you have to show her how to be on the radio. And 
And my, the first time I was on the air, he finally shows me how to work it. You know, we were queuing up records and you turn the mic on, you turn it off in order to cue the record up so you can hear it. Because when mm-hmm. you turn the microphone on, the monitors go, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the news came in that I think it was LBJ died. And he okay. said, I got to do this. I got to get this story going. You, here, take over. So the song runs out I got to, I, and I can't hear. I forgot about the... The headphones. I'm swearing. Yeah. I'm swearing over the air. <laughs> That's a good start, Joe. <laughs> the song out, and I'm, I'm cursing, and he comes running. I can't, yeah, turn the microphone off, you know? And I was like, you know, he's not right. I, I really can't do this. Uh, so I sort of avoided the station for a couple of weeks, but eventually, just through sheer nerve and animal cunning and being in the right place at the right time and saying the right thing to the right person, you know, right. I ended up on Y100. They hired me to write commercials. Oh, wow. At, at minimum wage, which was about $3 and 30. Yeah. I think it was $3 and 15 cents then. Dang. And, uh, of course I wrote commercials that needed a female voice. That's right. And then they, uh, sent me out as the Wyonic woman in this cape and leotard, and I had the flames flying off my shoes and, and wrists, and I spotted oh. bumper stickers. And did you go to concerts, too, with the same? Oh, sure, you did the whole thing. Um, or not? What you mean, to, like, introduce To promote, yeah. Yeah, you know how yeah, radio stations yeah, that. But it was so amazing to be on that station then. Uh, I mean, it was called the Amazing FM for a reason. But yeah. to be in the Y Roller van and yeah. you're going yeah. down the highway, it was like parting the Red Sea. People would go yes. nuts. I remember. But it was very wise of Bill Tanner, the program director, yes. to, for me to do that because it gave me a lay of the land. Because I'd been in, a, I'd lived in Miami as a teenager. But I, I just knew little areas, you know, wherever I hung out with my friends. I didn't really have the full overview. Where'd you go to Florida. high school in South Florida? I actually, I went to this. I started out at Killian. Okay. The Kuga Machine. Hey, yeah, hey. Yeah, yeah. And I was so bored. I, um, I convinced my father to let me go to this uh, California free school called <laughs> The Learning Place. Oh, no. I was like the fourth student. Really? There were four four people in my graduating class. I have no idea what happened to any of them. I don't either. (laughs) It started off as these, you know, kids who were not being challenged enough in the school. And then it turned into the kids who were just bad kids and couldn't, and their parents just wanted them to get a high school diploma. (laughs) Well, when I was in high school, you were a huge hit. And hearing you talk about Bill Tanner and the, you know, the, the, all of the things that went along with it just brings back great memories because people loved it. I mean, they would just queue up. I know. And when I, when I found out who you were, because see, when we go by a moniker, you know, uh-huh. we don't know the real name of the DJ right. most of the time. So, but but there's a similarity to your story because there was a JoJo Kincaid on the air. Yes, they can't have a Joe. Yes, that's right. So uh, I had to come up with a real fake name, and I struggled. I said, I I just felt weird. Am I going to start calling myself Tanya or Kimberly or something? <laughs> no, you're, you don't uh, seem the type. <laughs> And he said, he said, just call your the Midnight Madam, because they were putting me on overnights. Oh, you know, yeah. Right. right, right. Uh-huh. And I was the Midnight Madam. And I said, wow, this is great, because I, I could at least something. I could be, I was freer. 
with this identity. Now, I was reading some of your background um, on your website, and it starts with, I was a misfit. Do you think a lot of radio people start that way? Look at it. And you've worked with a lot of big time radio guys that I'm sure if you could talk honestly, a lot of them are shy, misfits, quiet. Stern's the perfect example. I mean, there's... Who is that? Howard Stern? Yeah. Howard Stern. Yeah. I mean, I think most of them were not the most popular kid in school. They weren't the class clown. Right. Some maybe. But uh, in general, I think a lot of them were misfits. And for me, I was very shy. And I found that if I had a microphone in my hand, I wasn't shy anymore. I had permission to speak to anyone. So that's kind of how it started. And then over time, it, it kind of merged the two came together now you left south florida and went to new york did they give you a job in new york is that how you worked with stern okay yeah well at first uh he wasn't there yet it was um ktu in the old dial position at 92.3 okay and then on july in the mid july of 85 is when it became k-rock um right after live aid okay turned into k Perfect timing. And I was still on, I did, what I was doing was a kind of a hybrid show. I did a couple hours with Jay Thomas in the morning as like the side chick. And then I did a show for a couple hours. So then I was on middays and then Howard came in in the afternoons and eventually he went to mornings and eventually I went to nights and Howard for a while. It was was fun. I bet. Um, the, The market in South Florida, completely different than the market in New York. And are you a South Floridian? Is that you're born and raised in Florida? No. Okay. Um, I'm from the D.C. area, but we moved okay. there when I was in middle school. So how different was New York? Like, did it hit you the first day yeah. or not? Well, I, I think one thing I noticed was that things that you could talk about for days in Miami um, mm-hmm. were like old news like that in New York. Oh. <laughs> On to the next thing. And being a DJ wasn't that big of a deal there. Hmm. Uh, they they didn't even have a, a jock lounge for the, the DJs at, at K-Rock until Howard Stern, I think, made a fit about it. Because we had <laughs> we had little cubicles, mailbox cubicles in the studio. We had to go in when he was on the air. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I think that goes for every afternoon guy. You can't just breeze in there. Oh, look what I found on the Internet for you to talk about. I know. Look at her face going, hell oh, no, yeah. you don't do that. Right, right. And the uh, the jock lounge uh, was, uh, you know, finally they, they made that. And his office was next door, much bigger, of course. And we had little lockers and, and things. I think they just didn't want you hanging around because you'd run up the phone bill. Uh, yeah. That was it. But, but also, like, sometimes I'd come in and there would be this hate mail to Howard. And it was so awful. It would just be lying out there, you know, and mm-hmm. I'd, like, start mm-hmm. to go, oh, my God. How can he live with this with a wife and small children? I really didn't understand how he could, what he would have to do mentally to like turn the, you know, to be able to handle stuff like this. And I, I, I'm marveling that he's going to be 70 this January. Isn't that shocking? Yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm so going to start writing my I, memoirs because well, I'm just I'd love, I would love to, um, I'd love to interview Howard at age 70. That would be fun, but... You can. Um, Joe Mater, you could do that. We'll set it up. We'll say, hey, how long no, did you work no. in New York radio? How many years? Almost 20, almost 20 years, yeah. You have to write a book about 
radio. We're going to get to that, though, in a minute. So you're in New York radio for about 20 years. What made you decide, okay, I'm done? Well, at the end, I was on Z100, mm-hmm. which was unbelievable, that experience. Um, I think I sounded the best on Z100. And, uh, well, my mother was in Richmond having uh, all kinds of crises. She'd become a hoarder. She clearly could not take care of herself anymore. And we were not close. Uh, The whole family was very fractured. My brother was in Greensboro, Mm -hmm. born again Christian. uh, And all we had in common was what to do with our mother. So finally, I don't know, everyone thought I was crazy. I decided I was going to move to Greensboro, Greensboring, I heard it was called after I moved there. <laughs> North Carolina, and, which is for listeners yes, just North Carolina. And uh, buy my first home and somehow move her in with me. And I figured I'd be back in New York in two years. And she passed in 2006. So I'm still in North Carolina, um, not in Greensboro, but uh, the Chapel Hill area. Okay. When, oh, so what happened was I was doing part-time on Z100 when mm-hmm. I left. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I think the last song I played was Eminem, Lose Yourself. And so I moved down to Greensboro and I reached out to the local Top 40 station. I said, well, maybe I could just keep doing weekends or something like uh-huh. that. And they said, well, we pay our, our jocks $10 an hour and there are no benefits. Of course not. And then they take, and then they take taxes out of that. I said, well, with it. your background, maybe we can go to 15. I said, oh I think I'm done. <laughs> Wow. I mean, I've heard this story before, but still, you know, coming from the majors and hearing that. But all right. So at that point, do you go back to New York? And I see Columbia University as part of your future. And I'm thinking, wait, before you go, Eminem's song had an inspirational part of this decision. Well, the the Columbia, the NBA came before I went to Greensboro. That was oh, okay. uh, that was uh, like the early 90s. When I did that. So you were in radio I, and you went to Columbia. I was on K-Rock. With the idea getting, to, um, why did you go to Columbia? Well, I actually wanted to launch a magazine that had to do with, it was kind of a cross between a, a radio version of TV Guide, Rolling Stone, and Stereo Review. And so I went to this radio guy with very deep pockets. And I said, oh, he'll be a great investor. He said, where's your business plan? I said, what's the business plan? Yeah. <laughs> I knew nothing. But I, I wanted to, I said, I just don't understand why some of these decisions get made. I don't understand business the way I should. So it opened up my perspective. And um, uh, yeah, I just went and became the, the rock and roll MBA. <laughs> That's great. But then, you know, North Carolina called you to take care of your mom. And that must have been hard, too, because you you say you weren't close. I thought it was going to be some of the worst years of my life. Like I was entering a black hole, but But it turned out to be some of the best years of my life. Inspiration for a book, too. And we'll talk about that. But go ahead. You were saying. Yeah, I just fell madly in love with my mother and my brother and I became very close. And I really liked the South. And uh, yeah. It was an amazing, amazing experience, and um, I'm very glad I had it. But I was changed after that, and I couldn't go back. I couldn't afford to go back to New York City. 
That's for sure. What made you change? What was it that when you went back to North Carolina that changed with well, it? Without going into too much of it, but I mean, there must have been a couple of things. By then I was, I had always said by the time I'm 50, I have to be done with this DJ thing because I felt I was just too old to be doing it, especially Z100. Uh, so, yeah, I turned 50 and I... Um, I had always been writing. I'd been trying to get published for about 15 years before I finally was published. So that was that. And then I had to figure out what to do with this humongous doll collection I inherited and uh, wrote an essay about that for the New York Times called The 700 Doll Question. You can Google and hear, read all about that. Uh, and then it took a while. I was going back and forth to New York because I had an aunt, an elderly aunt, who I adored in the Hudson Valley region. So I would go back and forth there. But, um, yeah, I kept trying to meet somebody or get another job, and it just said nothing happened. I think the 50s can be a really difficult time. They can be. Talking to Joe Mater, known as the Rock and Roll Madam. You've heard her on K-Rock in New York, South Florida at Y100, I-95. She's, you know, at one point, Joe said, I'm done with radio, but I'm going to go get a degree at Columbia University. She went and took care of her mom in North Carolina, and she became a published author with one of the books has been endorsed by Maya Angelou. And uh, it's called When I Married My Mother. That's one of the three books we're going to talk about. It's, yeah. When I Married My Mother. The title comes from when I, I briefly started to date somebody. And after three weeks, you know, she was, she felt like the third wheel. And I said, why am I even bothering to date? I'm already married. (laughs) And I said, you know, it's not going to last forever, Joe. Just enjoy this time with your mother. You can date later. So that's where the title came from. How long did it take you to write the book? Very quickly. Um, Hmm. It really is the perfect three-act play in that act one, what do we do? Act two, okay, we're doing it. <laughs> now, act three, the resolution. I, when I got to the part to write about the dolls, I moved into the doll room, which was the biggest room in the house filled with dolls. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there, and it just came, came out. flowing out. Wow. And um, it was sold in April of 2008, and then it was coming out the following April. So I had to have this thing done in a matter of months. That's fast Uh, wow yeah well it just it was such a story and uh it just kind of wrote itself i i I, and i had an amazing editor at tacapo uh renee sedlio she was just great um but the problem was it when it came out it was the height of the recession and okay Okay. like nobody was buying books (laughs) so (laughs) when you wrote this book and sometimes it seems like when people write memoirs or something that's very close to their heart there's family members that may or may not be as supportive of you writing the book as you were putting it together. Did you get that in your family? Because I'm sure you were honest. I mean, talking to you in the interview, well, I could see you're going to be forthright. I did. I had my brother read it. That was important to me. And his wife reported that he was laughing a lot while he was reading it. So that's good. And he um, he said, I had no idea our family was this funny. <laughs> And then it sounds like it's a depressing story, but it's really very funny. But you are a funny writer, though, from all the the reviews I see about you, whether or not you pay attention to them. 
I mean, the funny writers are someone who can take something that's really, I can't think of another word, but cracked and just disoriented and then turn it into a great story. And that's what you did with this. That's where the whole misfit thing comes in. Because one person said, well, it's like I laughed at parts where you shouldn't laugh. And I cried when you shouldn't cry. (laughs) But but that's almost, that's good, though. You're getting people's response. (laughs) Yes, it has definitely struck a nerve. And uh, I'm very happy that it's helped a lot of people. Because this is a situation most people will have to go through. You know, the long goodbye, or sometimes it's not so long but yeah, a lot of people caring with their elderly parents or loved so ones at some point. What are the tips that you can offer somebody that's taking care of an elderly parent? Well, I would say uh, don't speak in the third person. People do that a lot. You go to the doctor hmm. and they'll start yelling like the person can't hear and they'll talk in the third person. Interesting. Also, try not to say, do you remember? Because hmm. they probably don't. Uh, and also, don't use the word help. Don't say, can I help you? Just say, what would you like me to do? Mm. And, and and put yourself in their place. Also, if they're living, well, what was great about our situation is that we both gave up our homes and it created a new one. So ah. it wasn't she was living with me or I was living with her. So I tried to keep things, you know, so that it was, that, that it was still her home. I didn't want her to feel you know, displaced completely, or that she lost all control. Uh, Besides the book, and that was something that helped you through all this, were there other incidents you can talk about that sort of, you know, I'm sure you were at first reluctant to do it, but then once you sat down with her, or you decided to go and take care of her, there must have been a couple of good things that came out of it too, besides the book, I would guess. Well, it was uh, an incredible experience emotionally and the family coming together, realizing I actually had a good family in the end that I wasn't really aware of. But financially, it was not good. It was not good. And a lot of is mainly women who would go on what's called the daughter track. Yeah. And it's one thing when you go on the mommy track when you're in your 20s or 30s and you mm-hmm. get back to job market but Mm -hmm. when you've gone through this and you try to get back into the job market it's not just that you're old but you've changed yeah and so immeasurably you've changed yeah and uh but but it is true once you hit really 45 it's like better have the exit strategy going (laughs) other books um that are very different from the first book you wrote about taking care of your mom one is Opposites Attack, and the other is Naked DJ. Opposites Attack, what is that about? Uh, that's about a young woman, American woman, going to the south of France to try to um, become like Sabrina, you know, chic and, oh. and sophisticated so that she can win back this rich guy she wants to marry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, she ends up... Um, being like the worst student in the history of the school and is shuttled among all these hosts who host the students who can't stand her. And uh, she ends up in the cottage of this uh, renowned uh, writer who can't stand her either and, uh, or Americans in general. And, uh, but of course, you know, things change. Now that's, been, and that's been made into an audiobook. Yes, it just recently, it took me 10 years to put it into an audiobook because I had to find 
you know, it was a challenge. There were so many accents and I had to find the right person and it kept starting and stopping and this and that. And finally I said, well, I'll just put it out. You know, so uh, I think Holly um, did an amazing job. Yes, I've heard some of it. She did. It's great. Um, no, the book is very different than the book about your mom. It's fiction and it's funny, but it's poignant <laughs> funny. I think all of my books, when I look back now, it's about a young woman in a personal and professional crisis uh, experiencing culture shock in yeah. some way. Yeah, yeah. And we have a, a naked DJ. She goes to New York City. She lands in New York City after having crisscrossed the country and so all these small. Is this autobiographical? The naked well, DJ a, book? There is a lot of truth. It's, it's really a, a Valentine to radio, but it's a very snarky one. <laughs> which was easiest to write out of all three books that we're talking about today? Which was um, your, the easiest one? When I one? married my mother. Okay. Mother, yeah. And which yeah. was the one that was the funniest overall? I think Opposites Attack is my favorite. Because it I just really kept coming. You know how when you write funny or you think funny and then the words well, come out right and you're able to. I never to... really got tired of it. And, uh. I, and when I did the audio book, it was interesting. I actually ended up kind of rewriting it a little bit because certain as I read it out loud as to myself, I thought, well, that doesn't sound right. There were some instances where, oh, where he says at some point, He's French, you know. He says I, he's a success manque, which means mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a has been, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But when he say it, when you say it with a French accent, it sounds like <sighs> I'm a success monkey. I'm a success monkey. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> see, if you like words, and most DJs, I like word radio personalities. We love words. So I, I was hearing it, and I was like, oh, okay. That and works. then when the grandson was was. Uh, or the grand, the nephew, he was a nephew, his name was Benoit, which is B-E-N-O-I-T, but Benoit is a sex toy. Ah. Benoit Balls, right? I thought, is somebody hearing this? See, the things you learn <laughs> talking to Joe Mater about her books, you see, it's always an interesting concept. Changing the subject slightly. Naked yeah. DJ, did you, like, did you change the names of people in the book so not to... Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it, fiction, it, right? I mean, it, it's I drew a lot of my life and, and stories I'd heard from other people were, were woven into it. And, and and some of the things didn't actually happen, but could have happened. Ah, OK. Uh, so it's I think people in radio seem to just love the book because it's uh, it rings very true. Will they notice anybody in the book? Like we all know each other somehow or another, right? And they're going <laughs> to they're going to read chapter four and they're going to go. Oh, I worked with him. Or, oh, I worked with her. I mean, do you talk about salespeople too? <laughs> Just asking. Oh, yeah. They're there the you go. Directors and everything. And the music, it's also about the music business because okay, she's dating right. this, this promotion guy. And she's, um, her first love was a, a rapper. And then he comes back into her life. And you know, my first love was Bobby Caldwell, the singer. Um, and it's not based on, Bobby, he is based on Bobby somewhat, uh, in some ways, but this, my, it was eye opening to be dating somebody in the, you know, had a hit record. I interviewed him on Valentine's day. And a few months later, we're auditing marriage. Yeah. But, but, but my, you're, my dad, my dad called it shacking up, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but you're also a well-known personality. So, I mean, just for a moment, you're a well-known DJ, you're dating a musician everybody knows they hear him all the time 
how did that work? Because you've got... Uh, I think Naked DJ really uh, describes it very fairly accurately okay. what it was like All right. to be somebody who, you know, gets mixed up with drugs and, and uh, trying to get another hit and all of that stuff. And the way the music business works, it's pretty ruthless. It really is. is. Is it the music business and radio? Are they, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> we should all write books, but you've got yeah. the, the, the moxie to do it. I mean, so Naked DJ, Opposites Attack, and When I Married My Mother. Um, now, you're going to have people get access to this somehow or another, your books. You said you had well, some. I thought we would um, could give away a, an audiobook copy of each one. And um, I don't know, maybe the, the, the first people to message me on Facebook. Um, you know, if you just message me on Facebook and if you're the first one, you just say which one you, you want. And if you're the first one for that book, you'll get it. And, and it's only on Spotify, by the way. Spotify has audiobooks now. Okay. So is it Joe Mader? Is that where they find you on Facebook? Yep. Okay. J-O-M-A-E-D-E-R. Right. Right. We got it. And your website, too, is JoeMader.com? Reach out that way because not everybody's on Facebook and I don't blame them. <laughs> so, yeah, Somebody, right. as soon as I give them away, right. then um, I guess you'll have to buy them. So but. your journey is is very unique. As we wrap up, it's very unique from everybody else. I mean, a lot of people are in radio. They leave radio. They do something completely different, which you did, but not really. I mean, you left radio. You furthered your education because you wanted to understand business so that when and if you did write these books, maybe that was in the back of your mind, you'd know how to do that, how to make that happen. I mean, would you give that same kind of advice to people who want to go into radio? I don't know why anybody would, but if they did. Well, I, I would say one thing, one thing that um, you didn't mention was that, and I only did this for a couple of years and COVID brought it all to an end, was I became an auctioneer for charity galas. Did you? And huh. I wish I had known about that a long time before and I would definitely encourage people in radio if they're getting burnt out or whatever to look into this because you can become um this down it's called a BAS a benefit auctioneer specialist um the National Auction Association puts this on I think it's once a year and they have one uh you know they're in different places I think the next one's in December in Las Vegas or you can look up the gala gal, Janelle Taylor. She also teaches people how to do this. And Custom Benefit Auctions is the uh, outfit that I was with. The founder, Benjamin Farrell, that's F-A-R-R-E-L-L, is the absolute amazing auctioneer of all time. If you could ever see him in action. I think action. I have. I think I have. Yeah. Very yeah. Tall and yep. Yep. Yeah, he's just amazing. And he was my mentor. And I was so lucky to be part of his team. Now, how did you find that, though? I mean, were you watching an auction and went, oh, I can do that because I can see well, you. I actually I was looking for a way to get off the computer and get out of the house. And I saw this. There's a company called One Cause that makes mobile bidding app, a mobile bidding app. So when you're at the charity, you do it all on your phone. And so I just got hired to be kind of a, an assistant event manager to make sure the iPads worked and the Wi-Fi worked, stuff like that. And and I saw my first one, I watched Ben raise over a million dollars for ALS. And I said, oh, oh my gosh, I have the perfect wow. skill set for this. <laughs> it's very challenging and uh, it can be very stressful because 
if it goes right, it's because the organization has done everything right. And, uh, you know, it can go very wrong, too, as things do with live events. You can't do it too long, though, right? I mean... Well, you're you're on stage. You're not on stage that long. You're oh, not okay. usually, you're, you're not, well, sometimes you're the MC as well, but mm-hmm. you know it's a whole subculture and it's a lot more nuanced than you would think. And I highly recommend you get some expertise on it. And, and I became an actual licensed auctioneer in North uh, North Carolina. See, now we've learned about radio, we've learned about personalities, we've learned about life in New York, life in South Florida, voiceovers, her writing career, and now Joe is an official auctioneer. It's really, it, it was a great little, you know, U-turn there into something totally different. And I also think a big part of it was, um, and not to get into this for too long, but in my uh, in 2017, the end of 2017, it was discovered by accident that I had this extremely rare non-cancerous tumor in one of my adrenal glands. And it was spitting out 10 times too much adrenaline on and off and on and off. And so you were always said, going all the time. Well, or crashing. so when I saw Ben I said oh my god I could do this but I said at my age I'm not starting a new career I don't have the energy forget it but he said you get licensed and you can be on my team I'm like "Ah." but then they found this thing and it's very specialized high risky surgery but they got that thing out and I think I had it most of my life really Uh, it I've just suddenly had so much clean energy. It was uh, no more crashing in the afternoon. And, and my mm. hands, I had this like subtle shake in my hands that was, uh, they said, a familial tremor. And that went away. And I just, my whole life changed. And with uh, about a year after the surgery, I met the man I'm now married to after being single 30 years. So you're in New yeah. York. You're you're now in North Carolina. You're married to a mathematician, right? He's yeah. a smart yeah. guy. And uh, um, you're enjoying the North Carolina lifestyle and you're writing still. So what are you writing on next? What's your next big book? Uh, I'm really not writing much. You are. Uh, okay. some, some essays, Do blog you? posts. But, okay. you know, writing a book now is, uh, it's just, it's a whole different world and I'm I'm really enjoying my life with my husband and traveling it's uh waited my whole life for this guy so uh we're yeah he retired from teaching and uh he still does some consulting and yeah I just um I just enjoy life full circle Joe Mater <laughs> Thanks for coming in today and talking. I've enjoyed it. I've, I was a big fan listening to you on the radio, and it's just nice to have a one-on-one conversation and, and hear what you're doing. But I feel like there's another book or two. I feel like maybe perhaps. Well, yeah, there is a book I've worked on a very, very long time. I started it in 1999. I've worked on and off, on and off, on and off. And I finally just said, I think I'm done. <laughs> I think I'm done. Well, you're doing great now. Thank you, Joe, for coming in today. Appreciate it. You're very welcome, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you, Donna. You're doing a wonderful service, and you're making a great archive. You've been listening to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify Podcasts or your favorite platform. Thanks for tuning in.